Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing, and I'm also Five Six. How big could I possibly be? The answer is not very. As I learned yesterday, at my son's all-star practice, the first baseman is my size. That doesn't bother me at all. An eight-year-old should always be as big as a 36-year-old. But that's besides the point. But uh, welcome in, guys. Welcome back. Uh, So I didn't even know when I would be recording again or next, and not because of schedule, just I didn't know what there was going to be to talk about. I wasn't sure. But, you know, I kind of keep my eyes and ears open, even though I'm not on Twitter. I try to pay attention to what might be happening and get friends to tell me things and Run with it and see if I can make a show out of it, right? So uh, thank you, everybody who's listening, even though I'm not putting it out there uh, on my own. I'm getting help from my boy Casey, the Beef Cregan, who has a show Sluggo, and he is at from Sluggo on Twitter. Please give him a follow. Listen to the Sluggo podcast. It's great. They cover kind of college football in its entirety. They talk a little bit about Notre Dame. They talk shit about Notre Dame just a little bit sometimes. But um, no, they're good guys, and I, I appreciate Marty and Casey uh, giving me some love, and I'm going to throw it back to them. Um, I don't have a ton to talk about today, uh, to be honest, but there was some things that I noticed, and like I said, I'm still paying attention. So there are some things we can talk about. And what we're going to talk a little bit about today is, is there a quarterback battle at Notre Dame? I will give you my weekly Jordan Johnson update. And Notre Dame will forever be tight end you. But before we get into that real quick, I did hear about some on Twitter and got some information on it. Apparently there was a post about the most and least sensitive fan bases. And I, I saw the list and <laughs> it's kind of funny. The, the only reason I'm talking about it is because <laughs> the most sensitive fan base is Michigan. According to this post and based on Twitter. But I can confirm the most sensitive fan base is Michigan. <laughs> I got blocked by so many Michigan fans last season for being right. That's fantastic. They couldn't even eat their crow when it was served up to them. I was right. I call. I said they're going to be lucky to win four games. And I was called every name under the sun. Every name in the book. And I kept reminding them week after week how right my list was. I even called the losses that they were going to have. And but by the season's end, only one guy out of like the – I don't even know how many. There was like 10 of them. Uh, Only one guy did not block me. Uh, It was just so funny. Like, you were, I was right, you were wrong. Accept it. Shit happens. That's what Twitter is. 
probably why I'm not on it so much anymore at all. Uh, but <laughs> I just couldn't help it. Like most sensitive, uh, check mark. Yes, they are. They can't even accept when someone is right. I wasn't even talking shit. I was trying to be honest. I wasn't trying to. Yeah, I hate Michigan, but I was trying to be real, and I was right. And it's just funny. And number two is the entire SEC. Got a kick out of that. The most sensitive fan base is the entire SEC. So fair. Right behind them was Ohio State. Top three, Michigan, SEC, Ohio State. I can confirm that 100%. You know, and so some other interesting, uh, I guess, no, I'm not going to go through the whole list. Uh, if you're on Twitter, I, I'm sure you could find it. I think it was uh, what Big Game Boomer. Uh, I think we all see his posts. So if you go, you can check it out. But like UT was number six, also got blocked by a bunch of them. They try to uh, talk smack on Notre Dame, this, that, and the other. And one guy was like, well, you can show me with your winning percentage at the end of the season. So I did, and he blocked me. Because <laughs> I was right. He was wrong. He can't accept it. Nine was OU. And no- Notre Dame came at seven. And I'm, I'm laughing. I'm poking fun at, you know, Michigan and Texas. But uh, let's be real. Notre Dame, we're super defensive. We're, we can be sensitive. I'm not the blocker guy. Unless you're being derogatory, you know, and, and negative. Or I, I have nobody to block anymore. I'm not on it. But when I was, I I was not a big blocker of people unless you started, you know, be, being uh, extremely disrespectful, like family and just, you know, shit that doesn't need to be said. That's unnecessary. But just your basic sports banter, like, okay, I'll take my crow and eat it. Thank you very much. You know, but then they had the least sensitive fan bases, which I found this funny too. The top three were Stanford, Colorado State, and Washington State. Now, Stanford, I they they've been up and down in terms of how good they are in football, but they're they're like the West Coast Ivy League. They care about academics more than they care about sports. I mean, they have good sports teams and programs. Don't get me wrong, but like let's they're not really too worried about football. Colorado State, Washington State, uh, what's there to be sensitive about? That's what I found funny. It's like the least sensitive fan bases. Well, what's there to be sensitive about? For you get, in order to my the way I see, in order to be sensitive, you got to be good. Like something has to bother you. Like, it, like oh, we're underperforming. I don't want to hear about it. Well, they, Colorado State, Washington State need to perform, and then we can discuss whether they're underperforming and whether you should be sensitive about it. But two teams that jumped out at me. Or three, so uh, USC came in at seventeen, and they the reason they're the least sensitive because if their team's not winning, they don't care. They they're in Southern California, they're in Los Angeles. That's pretty badass. Like I that's it's as simple as that. There's it's black and it's white. Like there's no gray area. Hey, our team is good. Hell yeah, fight on. Blah blah blah. Our team sucks. Cool. Hey, meet you at the beach at three. Awesome. Like it's. It's that simple. Uh, but then Clemson and North Carolina, and they were 19 and 20. And Clemson especially, least sensitive. And they they put up their fight. They talked their mess, whatever. But I tell you what, I mean, Casey and Marty, Casey specifically, Clemson graduate, I've become really, really good friends with that guy. Marty, Clemson guy, I've become friends with him. Uh, I went to the Cotton Bowl 
when Notre Dame played Clemson, fans were just – I got a good vibe from those people. They don't – and I also think they haven't had the, the history of success, so it's all new to them. So they're not going to shit on uh, other people who have had a longer run of historical success, like in Oklahoma, like in Ohio State, like in Michigan, like in Notre Dame. They're going to – when I say they, but the majority of people I seem to cross paths with seem to have that type of understanding and respect. Like, hey, we're new to this. Like, we're really badass now. We're really good and probably going to be good for a long time. But I don't think we should be shitting on everybody else because we were not very good for a very long time. Uh, so in North Carolina, I, I've i crossed paths with fans and uh, became – uh, somewhat of friends, more like acquaintances, and but we had a mutual respect, and that's what I when I when I look at least sensitive, like when shit talking happens, do you own it and respect the other person in terms of as a person, not necessarily what they say. You, you talk shit. Sports is banter. It's fun, but <laughs> I was, Michigan, SEC, Ohio State, they are the king of blocking, like. Oh, what you? I don't like what you said. Block. It's just it. It made me laugh. I appreciate being notified about this. It was awesome. So that's that. Michigan still sucks. Look at that. Once you know it. And all my Clemson friends, you guys are cool. I'm glad I have your friendship. Okay, so let's get into this. You guys know the deal. Watch it for the changes. And try to keep up. So I'm going to start with my weekly Jordan Johnson update. This is probably the last one. but And this will fall into some transfer news too. But my, my weekly Jordan Johnson update. Drum roll. Boom! He's going to UCF. Your championship is fake. The... The whatever Golden Knights, Knights of Columbus, I don't know what the hell they are, but he went to UCF. Right, good for him. My first thought was, why not Power Five? If you are so good and you seem to think you should be playing as a starting receiver at Notre Dame, how do you go from Notre Dame to UCF? How do you go from uh, high four star some? Uh, Rankings had you the five star. You go from that to UCF. It, what tells me is this guy really never wanted to try. He never wanted to put in the work. He just wanted to go out and be handed. Sorry, drink some water. He wanted to be handed his opportunities. Or opportunity. He got one in a game last year and he drew a penalty. That that's what that tells me. Like if. And I know it was quick, so it was probably stuff in the works. But if he was legit Power 5 talent, don't you feel – that's – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking this. But I feel like he should have ended up at even – like Missouri. That's in the SEC. It's Power 5. I know – I mean, they're, to me, no different than UCF. I mean, UCF loses a game and anything they wanted to pretend to claim is gone. They have to go undefeated to claim their fake championships. So – I, I don't know. I just I was I was I was not. I say I wasn't surprised. I was surprised that UCF was the landing spot. It was not a Power Five school. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, all this shit. I've been talking for two weeks. 
that makes sense. He wants to just be able to be better, just pure talent. doesn't want to put in the work to get on the field. That's the way I see it. And you can call me crazy. Send me a message. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Hit me up. Let me know. Put a put a uh, review on Apple Podcast. This dude on five foot nothing is insane, but give it five stars. He's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But I think he ended up at UCF because he doesn't want to have to put in the work. Either on or off the field. It don't matter. Um, and I'm I'm not like gonna go overboard and trash UCF. I, obviously in the group of five, they're a very solid program. But the fact of the matter is they're not power five. And you're not gonna get the same type of talent at UCF that you're gonna get at most power five schools. Like just pick the top three in all the five conferences, the fifteen schools. I those fifteen schools probably have more talent than UCF. Does that mean wins or no, I don't know. It doesn't, but I just found that pretty interesting that he went from Notre Dame all the way to UCF. And the, my consensus thought is that he just doesn't want to put in the work anywhere. He just wants to go out and play, which is fine. Go do that. Good luck getting past college. So there's my weekly Jordan Johnson update and probably the last one because it's done. He's going to UCF and you know, I want to see what he does there. But some uh, transfer news, which, you know, transfer portals, crazy, man. And maybe we'll see more uh, information coming out, different players pertaining to Notre Dame. But the latest one is a Caleb Evans. I think I'm saying that right. A K A K A Y L E B. A Caleb Evans. He's currently a Tulsa quarterback. Cornerback. When I say quarter, CB, defense, secondary cornerback um and he put his name in the transfer portal as a grad transfer and it's an interesting one he's six foot two 195 pounds big guy in terms of height but doesn't really have you know he's not 215 or something you know he's thinner but dude can tackle i encourage you to go search a caleb evans and look up his highlights even from high school and then the Tulsa highlights. He, he, kid brings brings the punch, man. He's he's a hitter, but he's also got some speed. There were a uh, couple highlights of him when they Tulsa played Texas, hanging with Devon Duvernay. And if you don't know that name, he is currently on the Ravens. It was a, I think a third round draft pick or fourth. Uh, he was drafted uh, last year and played with the Ravens. Got a kickoff return for a touchdown. Was was involved in their offense. So this dude's hanging with Duvernay, who was known as one of the speedsters coming out of uh, the draft last year. Um, so that tells me, okay, cool. We we got a guy who can run. He's 6'2". He's lanky. Um, he was only a two-star recruit coming out of high school, which is probably why he ended up at Tulsa. He didn't have a lot of offers. But the the thing that jumps out at me is a guy can tackle. He's a hitter. He want, He sheds blockers very well, gets the football ton of hits the drawback is he's not exactly a ball hawk um i didn't see a single highlight of him with an interception i don't think he has one um in his career but he does knock the ball away when it's caught why does he knock it away when it's caught because he 
fits right in with Notre Dame secondary. He doesn't look for the damn football. It's something I can't stand. I don't understand it. But he waits for the receiver, like has the ball, and then he knocks it away. Um, so he's not an awesome playmaker on the ball, but he does cover well. He stays with the receivers. He's he's quick. He, he's got speed, but he can hit, and he he seems to he seems safe. Like I guess is a good way to put it. Like he's not gonna make that, you know crazy interception or whatnot, but he's going to be all over receivers and you're not going to get production from that guy. And you can't ask for more than that. Now he's also got offers from a lot of different schools, uh, Louisville, TCU, Nebraska, Texas tech, Kansas state, Mississippi state, West Virginia. Um, so he's got, he's being looked at. Um, and what does that mean for Notre Dame? If he should choose Notre Dame, I think it's great because our secondary, we just don't know. We just don't know. And any type of competition, whether this Caleb Evans can come in and start, I don't know. But he does also have two years of eligibility. Um, I'm pretty sure that's COVID-related. I don't know how else you could have two years as a grad transfer. Um, It's got to be the COVID bonus year. But nonetheless, he's got two years left. But it, it... Cam Hart seems to have a spot. Clarence Lewis seems to have a spot. But then you look at Tariq Bracey. You got younger guys, you know, uh, Philip Riley. This guy coming in would only elicit more competition. And he seems to have proven himself while only yes at Tulsa. Uh, It's a conference that's known for kind of explosive offenses, right? And his statistics show that he was able to shut down the 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 receiver that he was defending um i think he only i I forget the stats but he he gave up like barely 300 yards on the whole season on passes thrown his way um i think this would be a solid addition because i'm a firm believer of you can never have too much talent you can never have too much competition and better talent breeds competition on the practice field which Brings out the best in the player, which you get. So you're going to get on Saturdays. So I'm a huge proponent of, you know, talent. I'm 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 not a big fan of the. Oh well, we already got that position. We don't need it. Uh, no, you do. These are college kids, not NFL players. Where you you expect the next guy in to be talented. You know, uh, yes, at Notre Dame you, you expect talent to be there, but the fact of the matter is, the more talent, the better. You can never have too much talent. Like that's that's just it. It's, you can't. Just if you can get him, he wants to be here. Let's do it. So we'll see what happens with the Caleb Evans. Um, but that's the transfer news. And now, before I get into how Notre Dame is and forever will be tight end, you, I see things being written about: Is there a quarterback battle? And the thing is, it's not the battle. That you would think, and I feel like I mentioned that when I discussed the Blue Gold game. It is not Jack Cohn versus Drew Pine. It's Jack Cohn versus Tyler Buckner. And will Buckner start? And will he get a chance? And et cetera, et cetera. Now, some of this is just to, uh, there's not a lot to discuss right now regarding Notre Dame football. Uh, spring is over. We're just preparing for the fall now. 
And so you want to come up with some ideas and things to discuss. But is there really a QB battle? I don't think so. Because, again, the blue goal game was so dumbed down. It was so vanilla. Um, yes, Tyler Buckner looked great. I think he will ultimately be the number two, which will probably lead to Drew Pine transferring, which I think that – not Drew Pine, but you also got Brendan Clark. But I felt like if Tyler Buckner was who we thought he could be, and it looks like he might be that guy, you had to assume somebody was leaving. You're not going to stick around and play behind someone who's younger than you. That doesn't make any sense. And with the transfer rules and et cetera, et cetera, you knew that was gonna, probably going to happen. And I'm not saying it has or is a certainty, but if Buckner takes over the two spot and should there be opportunities for the number two quarterback to play this year and it's Buckner, you can probably look at Pine to look elsewhere. But, okay, Cohen versus Buckner. Is there a QB battle? Uh, the simple answer is no, there's not. And it's – there's pros and cons to both, Okay. The, the pro to playing Cone is obvious. The experience I saw in the blue gold game, he seems to ha- have some elusiveness that I didn't really expect. Uh, he's shifty in the pocket. He keeps his eyes downfield. I think he's going to bring an element to this offense that Ian Book did not. There were just, I mentioned it in the blue gold recap. There's times where Book just, he would run. When if he just hung for a second longer, there was a, a receiver there was a pass that was there, and I think Cohen will see those things. He's experienced. Uh, he has played in big games. I just think that has a lot of value when we are transitioning a lot of positions, uh, specifically the offensive line. You know, uh, offensively, it's the offensive line. Yeah, we're going to get Kevin Austin back and Lindsey healthy. That will change our offense a little bit, but. You know, we still have the same stable of running backs. So I feel like it's really offensive line quarterback. But the cool thing about the quarterback is he has – yes, he's new to Notre Dame. Yes, he's not new to playing quarterback at the Division One Power 5 competitive level. He is That is not new to him. He's played in the Rose Bowl. He played for Wisconsin. He, he gets it. So I think that's a huge plus in Jack Cohn's corner which is why he should be the starter and will likely be the starter. And the con, which is like the – it'll be a pro for Buckner, but let me focus on Jack Cohn here. The con to Jack Cohn being the starter and starting throughout is he hasn't been in the program and he won't be after this year. So it's like, okay, we're hoping all of his experience and everything else, his you know, leadership skills all are a huge plus – for us this year, but we're going to gain all that for that just this year. He's gone after this year. He will not be back in a Notre Dame uniform. So the con is that you're going to build all these things just for one year. There's no more, no less. Like That's it. So I... I don't know. Like I, I'm. I want us to win, but is that going to cost us in 2022? In terms of, regardless of who it is, Pine, Buckner, Clark, it will be a brand new quarterback with zero 
Division One Power Five experience. And why does that matter? Because our first game in 2022 is at Columbus, Ohio, in the horseshoe against the Ohio State University. So, yeah, I want us to win this year. Obviously, I want us to win every year. And I think Cone gives us the best chance, but then you like, what was that hindering the future? So you look at Buckner's side of things. The pros to playing Buckner now is you're going to get out some of those freshman mistakes, ideally. He's going to learn from this year, from this experience, and be ready to move forward in 2022, 2023, maybe 2024, if he's still here for that, unless he blows it out of the water and leaves early. But point being is you're going to gain that experience that can only be gained by playing in the game. You can't gain that watching film. You can't gain that in practice. You can't gain that on the sidelines. Like you have to be in the game against this competition to gain that experience, to understand the speed of the game, to uh, get rid of those mistakes that a true freshman would typically make. So the pro to playing him is he's going to learn, but at what cost? So if, you realize maybe Buckner's the guy. Brian Kelly decides, you know what, we're going to go with Buckner. Are you going to end up losing a couple games because he's still learning? He makes a costly mistake um, uh, in any facet. Doesn't it misread the coverage, threw a bad ball, held the ball, took a sack. Um, just it, who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? But. Uh, see what happens. But I don't believe there's a quarterback battle. I really don't. I don't believe that's um, a thing. Um, I think Buckner and Pine could be a solid battle, and I think Buckner could pull that out. <clears throat> but I do believe Cohn has a, enough of a leg up that he will be the starter and should be the starter until it's either – he. Like uh, I'm trying to phrase this properly, but if we go 11 and one, like I think, there's no reason why Cohn ever gave up the starting position. Uh, if lose a couple games early, okay, well, maybe then you consider pivoting to Buckner to give him that experience because playoff shot is probably done. If we get to two losses, I don't see us making the playoff. So then at that point, it's like, what do you have to lose? You don't have anything to lose. We're playing for national championships. We're playing for the playoff. If you can't get into the playoff, uh, whether it's 10 wins, 9 wins, 8 wins, uh, and I I don't see, even if it's Buckner, 8 or 9 wins really uh, on the docket. Um, you know, Maybe 9 if it's Buckner. But uh, my point is, once it's seeing if it should get to there where we can't make the playoff, well, then I would be fully supportive of throwing Buckner in there. Um, but I don't think you start the season that way um, because I feel like the the lack of experience could be also detrimental to his growth. If he goes really south, you can mess him up mentally. You still want him to be prepared. So I don't think it's a quarterback battle. I think it's Cone. And, you know, we'll see what happens when the season actually plays out. But I think Cone should be under center. 
week one in Tallahassee, and he should definitely still be under center when he goes against his alma mater because he's a grad transfer, his former team at, at Wisconsin in Soldier Field. So we'll see. But don't you be the guy. And there is no quarterback battle. And if there is, it's between Buckner and Pine. So that's that. And now I'm going to, let's see, how long have I been going on this? Uh, about 30 minutes. So I, I it wouldn't give me a long episode. But I do have to emphasize I've, I've seen articles about because Tommy Tremble got drafted and is Notre Dame tight end you. And you're going to see other, you know, oh, Miami's tight end you. Iowa's tight end you. Yeah, Notre Dame's not tight end you. Look at the production from the cor- the tight ends that have come out in the last couple years from Miami and Iowa. And that's true. Uh, that is true. You know, like Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson and Kellen Winslow have outperformed, you know, well, it's close probably. But, like, I'm just going – not back way too far. And I'm going to get there. But like Tyler Eifert, Kyle Rudolph, obviously the two biggest names, but Eifert's injuries really derailed his production. John Carlson, Anthony Fasano had some production, you know, back in the mid 2000s. But Winslow, Olsen, Graham probably had more. Then you look at like Iowa. They're going to, and Miami also had Jeremy Shockey. And Iowa's going to throw you Dallas Clark and Tony Moyaki and George Kittle and currently Hawkinson and Fant. We'll see what they end up being in terms of production. And again, where do we fit? Because our Cole Komet hasn't broken out yet. I think he can. Tommy Tremble just got drafted. So they're going to tell you, oh, Miami or Iowa, they're tight end you. Look at their production. They're tight end you. Well, here's the problem. This is why Notre Dame is the tight end you and will forever be tight end you. And what started this is Tommy Tremble is the 11th Notre Dame tight end to be drafted since 2005. Since 2005, 11 dudes. Now, Miami and Iowa can't say that. Since 2000, Miami has 12, I think. I don't know the number on Iowa. I think it's like 11 since like 2003 or something. But I'm focusing on... The 2000 for Miami and 2003 for Iowa. Because all the names they're going to throw at you as far as why Miami or why Iowa, it starts and ends there. It starts in 2000, and they can't go further back because there is nobody to go further back to. It starts in 2000 for Miami. It starts in 2003 for Iowa. Notre Dame has had 11 since 2005, but why stop there? Why stop at 2005? I mean, sure. That's where you're going to get the most numbers. But why not and go back to like my lifetime? Let's go back to 92. 1992, Derek Brown, first-round draft pick. 1993, Irv Smith, first-round draft pick. 1997, Pete Kruplevich, fifth-round draft pick. 2001, Notre Dame got two guys drafted. One in the fourth round, one in the sixth round. Jabari Holloway and Dan O'Leary. The very next year, 2002, John Owens. 2005, Jerome Collins. And that's where this whole 11 starts. Because then I'll do, I'm not going to go through the years, but I'll just run through them. After Jerome Collins, it was Anthony Fasano, John Carlson, Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert, Troy Nicholas, 
Ben Koyak, Durham Smythe, Alice Mack, Cole Komet, and now Tommy Tremble. We our run from '92 to 2021 is 17 guys in 29 years. Every other year, basically, we're getting a tight end into the NFL since 1992. That's my lifetime. And when you look at when they were drafted, the average round for all those 17 was 3.4. So sometime in the third round, you're getting a Notre Dame tight end drafted on average in the last 29 years. That says something to me, but why stop there? Let's go back even further. Dave Casper, ever heard of that guy? I'm pretty sure you have. He was a Notre Dame tight end, got drafted in 1973. Ken McAfee, familiar with that guy? You, you might be. He was drafted in 1978. Mark Bavaro, my New York Giants, he was an all-pro tight end. He was drafted in 1984. Tony Hunter, another first-round tight end draft pick. From the uh, 1983. So we're going back to the early 90s, the early 70s to find legit, not just any, oh, just any name. You know, like I'll be honest, like obviously Jerome Collins, John Owens the in the early 2000s, those are just names. Yes, they played tight end at Notre Dame. Yes, they got drafted, but they're not names you recognize. But I'm if if you're a football historian of any type or pay attention, you know the names Dave Casper, Ken McAfee, Mark Bavaro, and Tony Hunter. Like, at least you should. Especially Mark Bavaro, who's an all-pro tight end on a, a Super Bowl-winning Giants team. And, and maybe I know it more because I'm a Giants fan. I don't know. But Dave Casper, Ken McAfee, you got to know those names in NFL lore. Like, I'm sorry, but like, those dudes could be uh, Jimmy Graham's grandpa. Like <laughs> that's that's how long Notre Dame's run of tight ends has gone. That's why we are tight end you. It's not what have you done for me the last five years. It's what have you done me for me for forever. And since for forever, Notre Dame is putting dudes at the tight end position in the NFL, which is why Holden Stays said it himself. I don't know what Holden Stays is going to be. Yes, he's been. Compared athletically to like Tommy Tremble, people are saying he can potentially be like a Tyler Eifert type. Is he going to be that guy? Who knows? But he's not dumb. He can go back all the way to 1973 to if he wanted to to go. Oh my God, Notre Dame's putting tight ends in the NFL like crazy. Every other year, somebody's going to the NFL at the tight end position. I want to go to that school that's been doing it for forever. That's been doing it since it, it was, the games were in black and white. And, like, again, it's facts. Like, they're going to – Miami, Iowa fans or just people are going to hit you with, you know, the the last few draft picks. Okay, fine. Show me the 1992-1993 draft pick from Miami or Iowa. How about the 1973 draft pick that ended up being one of the uh, best tight ends in NFL history? Where's that at? Like, Notre Dame is tight end you. Face the music, live with it, deal with it, learn it, love it, enjoy it. Notre Dame is going to continue to get tight ends. We have one. His name is Michael Mayer. 
And if you don't think he's going to the NFL and is going to be a first-round draft pick, you, yeah, you, you're not thinking straight. Barring injury, that guy's going to be a beast. And barring injury, knock on wood. Um, so yeah, I saw it, the headline was you know Tremble's the 11th Notre Dame tight end drafted since 2005, and then you get into should it be Miami? Should it be Iowa? No, it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. Enjoy it. Blue and gold. Go Irish. That's that's who it is. So that's all I got today, guys. Uh, it's kind of a quick one. Um, some things came up. I figured I'd uh, throw them down, put all my thoughts into words, and get a podcast out. Um, if you guys like what I'm saying, please subscribe. You'll get a notification as soon as I post my uh, next episode, which, again, it's the off season. I don't know when it'll come up. But if you see something that you feel like I should know about, you want to hear me hear my thoughts on it, let me know. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'll be happy to uh, talk about it, put it together, give me a segment on, on the show here. Um, I love doing this, so please like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And also coming up soon, uh, my guys at Sluggo Podcast, my friend of the show, Marty, who's at Podcast Sluggo on Twitter, and then Casey, who's at From Sluggo. Uh, they're kind of running a website called SeldomUsedReserve.com, and it's going to gain more steam as we get closer to the season, but SeldomUsedReserve.com. You can actually go there, get some general college football. It's mostly Clemson at this point, but they are shifting into more college football, general discussions, articles, things. But there you will find other podcasts. You can find Five Foot Nothing, 100 Nothing on that website. You can find their uh, Sluggo podcast. You can find Chop and Beef. I've mentioned it before. Go listen to Chop and Beef. If you got an hour to kill, it may not be the best hour of your life, but it might be the funniest hour of your life. I encourage you to listen to Chop and Beef. And, and one day I'll get on there and get to act silly one day. But um, yeah, so seldomusereserve.com, guys. Check it out. It's a cool little website. Got a lot of information. Um, my podcast link will be there. I appreciate it, Marty. Thank you so much. And you know, thank you all for listening. And until next time, five foot nothing, a hundred nothing, out. Mm-hmm.